Welcome to the International Trade Minute, quick fire trade news, where time is trade. We are your go-to podcast for rapid and concise updates on trade and law, designed specifically for busy trade professionals. Sponsored by Rydell Law Firm and prepared by seasoned trade attorneys, our twice-weekly podcast packages your essential trade updates, all in the time it takes to enjoy your coffee break. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and join the conversation with a network of like-minded professionals on LinkedIn, where time is trade, make every minute count. In today's episode, we'll cover the 3M facing a whopping $6.5 million settlement on FCPA charges. CBP clarifies whether plywood pressure treatment qualifies as manufacture or production for drawback purposes. And for those of you tracking the ongoing saga of the Section 301 exclusions, there's some big news from the USTR. In legislative updates, the Customs Business Fairness Clause has found its way into a recent House Appropriations Bill. Lastly, but certainly not least, aerospace giant Pratt & Whitney is facing hefty fines from the BIS for violating anti-boycott regulations. M is in the headlines not for its latest innovations, but for a costly settlement. The company has agreed to shell out over $6.5 million, all in relation to charges they violated the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, or FCPA, according to a recent announcement from the SEC. Let's break it down. The allegations revolve around 3M's China-based subsidiary. The subsidiary supposedly organized international trips for Chinese government employees from state-owned healthcare facilities, These trips were labeled as marketing and outreach efforts spanning across conferences, educational events, and healthcare facility visits. But the SEC claims there's more to it. They argue that many of these activities were essentially a ruse, just a facade to cover the expenses for the Chinese officials' travel, which, and here's the kicker, included tourism activities. And the goal? Persuading these officials to purchase 3M products. Exactly. Between 2014 and 2017, These tourism activities ranged from guided tours, shopping trips, and day outings to local attractions. The alleged covert operations coincide with the same time frame as the conferences or facility visits. We're talking almost $1 million spent on just 24 trips. And it doesn't end there. From 2016 to 2018, 3M's subsidiary employees transferred nearly $254,000 to a Chinese travel agency, apparently to organize these improper tourism activities. Now, 3M isn't staying silent on this. They've issued a statement noting that they discovered some of their employees went around established controls and ethical guidelines to set up these controversial tours. They emphasize their commitment to ethics, stating that they not only self-reported these issues, but also fully cooperated with the proceedings. It's a costly lesson for 3M and a stern reminder to multinational companies everywhere about the importance of rigorous internal checks and ethical operations, especially when operating in international markets. This next segment centers on a ruling that could have significant implications for timber imports, plywood, pressure treatments, and the definition of manufacture. Let's dive in. International Forest Products, or IFP, had been importing plywood from Uruguay. Once on U.S. soil, they passed it on to Everwood Treatment, which pressure treats the wood, enhancing its resistance to moisture and pests. The process? Plywood gets loaded into a cylinder, soaked with a copper azole preservative, and in less than a day, pressure forces this preservative deep into the plywood grain. While the treated wood lounges around the facility for a week or two, it's soon whisked away 
to the port of Mobile in Alabama, destined for export back to Uruguay. Now here's where things get sticky. The process is meant to make the plywood more durable, especially for the moist and buggy Caribbean climate, where such traits are in high demand. But IFP maintains one key point. This treatment doesn't fundamentally change the plywood's purpose. It's still meant for construction. But CBP disagreed. Based on a ruling from August 21st, they claim this pressure treatment is a manufacture or production. Why? Because for something to be marked unused, it either needs to be untouched, post-import, or not subjected to any processes that change its core identity. CBP points to an old court ruling as a reference, U.S. versus International Paint Company. Here, manufacture was defined as an operation that grants certain properties to an item for a specific use, especially if it involves significant expenditure in terms of capital and labor. So the core question, does this treatment change the plywood's identity? IFP says no. But CBP points out that the new resistance the plywood gains against moisture and pests gives it a new performance characteristic. It's like turning a regular Joe plywood into plywood 2.0. And the conclusion, well, because of this upgrade, CBP states that the treated plywood can't be labeled as unused merchandise for drawback purposes, a key ruling that could ripple across the timber import industry. Companies involved in similar operations should take note. Now we go straight into a big decision from the U.S. Trade Representative. The USTR has announced the extension of 77 COVID-19-related tariff exclusions, as well as the 352 Section 301 exclusions that were reinstated in March 2022. If you had your calendar marked for the end of September, you can now relax a little. Both sets of exclusions have been extended through December 31st. The Federal Register notice which announced this decision is yet to be published. But from what we gather, this extension aims to provide a smooth transition for the expiring exclusions. And there's also a hint of some deeper considerations as part of a four-year review. Now, speaking of this four-year review, USTR Catherine Tai earlier this year shed some light on it. She mentioned that the USTR is contemplating how to reshape the tariff structure, focusing on impacts on the U.S. economy, and to boost domestic manufacturing. On the topic of tariffs, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo had an interesting take on CNBC's Mad Money. She was candid, saying many of the tariffs, especially the Section 301 list, didn't seem logical in many contexts. Raimondo's main concern? The effectiveness of these tariffs. Raimondo also touched upon China's business practices and their subsidies, which, she mentions, hurt U.S. workers. She took a swing at the Trump tariffs, suggesting they could have been more strategic. And it's not just tariffs. Raimondo highlighted the concerns of U.S. businesses operating in China, which are desperately seeking the U.S. government's advocacy to improve their business environment in the country. Concerns include the unpredictable raids on consultants and research firms under China's anti-espionage laws. Raimondo assures that she plans to be a voice for these businesses, but she also acknowledges the challenges, stating that not every problem will find a solution. All in all, this extension is a reflection of ongoing trade considerations, a sign of deeper strategic thinking, and a reminder of the interconnectedness of global economies. Next, we're diving deep into a recent development in customs and bankruptcy law. Stick around as we unpack the latest on the Customs Business Fairness Act. This act, which effectively protects customs brokers, was temporarily in effect in 2021. 
Although advocates tried to make it permanent in 2022, it didn't pass. And the crux of this act lies in its aim to protect customs brokers from the money they receive from clients, which they send to the Customs and Border Protection to pay tariffs. The goal? Ensure this money isn't subject to clawback after a company file for bankruptcy. For those unfamiliar, these clawback provisions exist to prevent company insiders from depleting a company's assets in the months leading up to a bankruptcy filing. Here's the twist. The Customs Business Fairness Act has been attached to the Commerce, Justice, and Science Appropriations Package in the House. This means it's one step closer to becoming permanent law. And here's a shout-out to Rep. Andrew Garbarino from New York, who has been credited for this move. Nicole Bivens-Collinson, Legislative Counsel for the National Customs Brokers and Forwarders Association of America, expressed her delight over this advancement in a recent phone interview. But wait, it's not all smooth sailing. Even though this appropriations bill is essential and must pass, the provision still faces several challenges. The Senate? They don't have a companion bill yet. But there's hope with interest shown by senators from both sides of the aisle. Senators Raphael Warnock and John Cornyn seem to be in the mix. And NCBFAA is not stopping there. They're planning a fly-in where they intend to unleash about 120 people on the Hill, lobbying members of Congress to support the provision. But there's a time challenge. With the new fiscal year starting on October 1st, Congress has a tight deadline. House Republicans are pushing to wrap things up early, aiming to avoid budgetary concessions that often come with the holiday spirit. Nicole Bivens-Collinson mentioned... There's no sure-shot way to predict the act's fate based on these deadlines. But if the limbo of continuing resolutions stretches into 2024, it might be back to the drawing board for NCBFAA. Indeed, it's a dynamic scenario. As the story evolves, we'll keep you posted on how the Customs Business Fairness Act fares in its journey through Congress. Lastly, we look into the recent fine levied against Pratt and Whitney Component Solutions by the Bureau of Industry and Security. Let's break it down. Pratt and Whitney, known for its aerospace manufacturing, has agreed to pay a hefty $48,750 to settle a breach of the BIS's anti-boycott regulations. This all came to light in an order released on September 6th. Now, the root of the issue is rather interesting. Between 2019 and 2020, while facilitating the sale and transfer of aircraft parts from the U.S. to Qatar, Pratt and Whitney received 13 distinct requests from the Qatari government. These weren't just any requests. They specifically wanted Pratt and Whitney not to import Israeli-made aircraft components into Qatar. And here's where it gets tricky. Those requests by Qatar were effectively a boycott against Israel, a nation that's friendly to the U.S. under U.S. regulations. Companies like Pratt & Whitney should immediately report such boycott requests to the BIS's Office of Anti-Boycott Compliance. And that's where the violation occurred. Pratt & Whitney didn't timely report these requests. It seems they recognized the oversight, though, because they eventually made a voluntary self-disclosure. That self-disclosure is crucial. It shows Pratt & Whitney taking responsibility and, in the settlement, they've admitted to the BIS allegations. In response to the situation, the company stated that they were pleased to have reached a satisfactory resolution and emphasized their commitment to complying with U.S. anti-boycott laws. Certainly, this is a reminder for all international businesses about the importance of being vigilant and adhering to regulations, especially when operating in complex global markets. Companies must be on top of their game and understand the intricacies of global trade, as even unintentional oversights can have repercussions. 
In this episode, we explored 3M facing a $6.5 million settlement on FCPA charges. CBP clarifies whether plywood pressure treatment qualifies as manufacture or production for drawback purposes through end of year. USTR extends all Section 301 exclusions, customs business fairness included in a House appropriations bill, and BIS fines, Pratt and Whitney for violating anti-boycott regulations. Thank you for joining us on International Trade Minute, your rapid source of trade updates for busy trade professionals. And we hope to have you back for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe.